lots of peace songs and uh, gratitude songs, because that's where we're heading this morning. You will, you will find that out in just a few moments. We, uh, we are continuing on in the book of Colossians. Uh, essentially, essentially what Paul has been arguing for, we're, we're about uh, two and a half chapters in now. Uh, essentially what Paul has been arguing for is that, uh, is that we would find a kind of new, radical, alternative life in Christ. That what Christ has come to do, uh, and, and he's talked about it in lots of different ways, uh, but, but the, the one that stands out the most to me, it, again, is that, that he has conquered through the cross and he has liberated us into this new kind of life. Uh, essentially what Christ has come to do is to free us from all the baggage of the past and to help us to walk freely into a brand new existence. It's different than the past. Uh, we, we don't get dunked in the baptism tank and come out the same. We, we come out new and, and then uh, our efforts need to be able to figure out how do I live well in this new kingdom? We kind of, we know how to operate in our own kingdom. We know how to operate in the kingdom of the world. We get trained in that uh, each moment of each day. We understand that. We get those values. We get those standards. We understand how to operate in the world. Uh, but there's this entirely new uh, paradigm that has happened, this new radical uh, uh, life that we're being invited into, and we, we have to kind of learn and practice uh, how to live well. Uh, what kind of values, what kind of priorities, what kind of ethical practices are there in this new kingdom that help me to live differently than I did before? And, and so that's, I think that's what this whole book is about. Uh, and last week, uh, we talked about a whole slew of practices that, that we either strip off or we clothe ourselves with that help us to get to step into that new kingdom, to step into that new way of life. And uh, I, whether it was good or not, I, I think I preached a memorable sermon uh, last week. Uh, I promise I won't do anything like that this morning. Uh, but, but it's this beautiful way of thinking uh, about what Jesus uh, has, has invited us into is that we literally have to strip off some old practices, some things that we do that weigh us down, and we get to clothe ourselves with new things, new values, new practices. Uh, none of the passages that we've talked about so far in Colossians uh, I think have been specifically individual in nature, but they they have carried kind of a personal element to them. Uh, especially last week, if you think back about some of the things that were called to strip off last week, sexual immorality and and greed, and some some of these things kind of have a personal dimension to them, uh, even though they're not they're not necessarily personal in nature. They have a personal dimension to them. They're things that we do personally to be a better uh, follower of Jesus. Uh, but today, in our passage that we're moving on to, Paul is inviting us as a church, as a collective body of believers, uh, as a community of disciples, into a new radical alternative community. Uh, this, become, this passage today becomes about us rather than about me 
or about you? Uh, what does this mean for us? Uh, it's not just I'm, I'm being invited to be a new radical follower of Jesus. It's that we are being invited into becoming a new radical alternative community together. So what does it look like for us to be a church if we're to take seriously what Jesus is talking about? It's, it's not just you and me that are invited to inhabit God's new upside-down kingdom. This is for us. Uh, so we... we uh, Paul, Paul's calling for us this morning is to be a new community with new communal values and standards and practices, and we're doing it together. Uh, last week, I sent you off with kind of a personal uh, a, a homework assignment to do some reflection on your personal values, uh, but this morning, we need to do some work together. So that's kind of where we're heading. We need to figure out what this might look like for us First Baptist Church in 2018, or, or maybe if you're, if you're not uh, a, a member with us, if, if you belong somewhere else, what does this look like for your specific faith community to be a, a new community of Jesus? So uh, I want to walk through the next paragraph in the book of Colossians. Uh, I'll just make a few comments uh, and observations about it. Uh, and then uh, whether you're comfortable with it or not, uh, I'm going to invite us to break into some small group and do some kind of small group reflection on the practical implications of what Paul's talking about this morning, because I think we need to do some work together. All right, so I'm not asking your permission. Sorry about that. Uh, let's pray, and we'll jump in this morning. God, uh, guide us as we explore this text. Uh, Reveal to us what you would have us to learn. Um, And and then as we break into groups and kind of sift through the the practical implications of becoming a new community, a new Jesus-centered community, uh, guide our conversations there as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're in Colossians chapter 3. It, it, uh, I think, will be on the screen. If you want to follow along, uh, that would be fine as well. Uh, we ended with uh, verse 14 last week. So, uh, so Paul's been talking about a ton of uh, virtues, these ethical principles in the new kingdom. And then at the end of our passage last week, which was verse 14, he says this, And over all these virtues, put on love. So there's a million things that I want you to put on, all these kind of things that we just read about, compassion, kindness, gentleness, meekness, uh, uh, forgiveness, all these things that I want you to clothe yourselves uh, with, but over all of these things, the last layer of your, on, your kingdom ensemble, I want you to put on love, because love is the thing that, that binds all of these things together. It sums up all of the things that Paul has been talking about Uh, so far. I want you to clothe yourself with love. And then he moves on to verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Uh, Let the peace of Christ rule in in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ Some translations say the word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all sorts, uh, with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs or songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, 
whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, let's, let's walk through that a little bit. So he began, the, this is essentially what, what does it mean to be a new community of faith? A new community that is centered in the way of Jesus. And so he starts us off in verse 15 by saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. In the new community of God, peace is to be central. In the new community of Christ, peace is to be central. No more fighting, no more conflict, no more struggle for power, no more wondering who's best, no more jealousy or pettiness or slander, just peace. Uh, And unfortunately, that's not what the church is always known for. We're often known for those very things, for, for fighting, for conflict, for power struggles, for, for jealousy, pettiness, slander. Uh, we're too often known for those things when, when Paul is saying, you need to let peace rule in your heart. Let peace rule in your heart, which we all would probably agree is a fantastic goal. We want peace to rule. We want peace to reign. Uh, We want to be at peace with one another. We all say we want to have peace. Every Miss America uh, contestant for the last 50 years has said that their primary goal is peace, right? They all want world peace. Every world leader claims to want it. Uh, America spends more on our military than every other country in the world combined, striving for peace. We, We want it. We talk about it. We say that it's a primary goal for us. But when the empire strives for peace, when they fight for peace, the Pax Romana or the Pax Americana, the empire often fights for peace through power through violence, through conquest, through fear, intimidation, through the sword. Uh, We, when we are working toward peace, we often work toward peace in very unpeaceful kind of ways. Uh, And so Jesus flips this entire thing upside down. Paul subverts what the empire calls peace by appealing to a peace achieved through a victim of the empire, through Jesus. Jesus is actually victimized by the empire that is working toward peace, uh, and in doing so, he actually brings us a new sort of peace. Uh, Paul subverts this whole, what empire calls peace, through allowing Jesus's all-pervasive cross-shaped peace to rule our lives as a communal body of believers. Uh, we are invited, we are called to let this sort of peace, Jesus' cross-shaped peace, Jesus' I'll lay down uh, any uh, quest for vengeance or retaliation, I'll, I'll lay down any sort of uh, desire to protect my own skin and save my own body sort of peace. We're invited to let that peace rule in our hearts, like an, ar- like an umpire or an arbitrator would rule. We're, we're invited to let peace rule, to be the deciding factor of everything that we do and say, to rule like, like a judge would rule, to be the deciding factor of everything that we do and we say. The peace of Christ must rule in our new 
alternative, anti-empire, cross-shaped, Jesus-centered community. If we want to take Jesus seriously, which I sure hope we do, then peace must be at the center of everything that we do. We have to work for it. We have to strive for it at, all, at any cost. And then Paul moves on. Paul proceeds by saying that this new community, this new Jesus-centered community, will be one of gratitude. Uh, he just throws this little line in there. He says, and be thankful. Be grateful. Recognize the gift that is life. That, that nothing that we do is earned. That nothing that we do is necessarily deserved. It's just freely given. And be grateful for that. In a culture caught in, in an insatiable craving for more and bigger and better, where we are always dissatisfied with what we have, where what we have is never enough, we are invited into a spirit of gratitude. We are invited as a church to be a church of gratitude. We are invited, as Mary Jo Letty says, to be a community of radical gratitude. I think that phrase is so helpful because gratitude is radical. In a a world that is never content, where I always want more, I always need the next technology, I I always need a raise, I always need the next promotion, or I'm never content with anything, gratitude is radical. We are invited to be deeply grateful for all the gifts of life, for creation itself, for all the blessings that God bestows upon us, for the redemption and the peace that we find in Christ Jesus. We are invited to be a community of peace and of gratitude. And then Paul shares a few words about worship as we move on to to verse 16. Uh, He says this, Let the message or the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let the word of, of Christ dwell in you richly. We get millions of messages every day about what, we should worship. We get millions of things that are clamoring for our attention every day that want to dwell in our hearts. Words and messages that want to take root in, in our heart, in the depths of our beings, uh, and they are fighting for our attention. We watch, as a culture, an average of 26 hours of TV a week. Each one of us watches an average of 26 hours of TV a week. I can only imagine the number of commercials that we consume. We are subjected to thousands of brand logos each and every day. There are billboards everywhere. Uh, There's social media advertising at every turn. We are bombarded with people that want to dwell in us richly. Uh, Messages, words that want to dwell in our hearts richly. And in the midst of that, we are called to let the words of Christ dwell in us richly. To take up residence in our midst so at home in our community, so intimately close to our church that his words become the very air that we breathe. Uh, I I was thinking about this 
Mandy and the girls just came home from North Dakota a couple days ago. And so they had a long car ride, and, and Mandy was telling me that uh, well, Zoe's, she's really into listening to music lately. And, uh, and I just got a new iPod, uh, a really old school used iPod, but I just got this new iPod. It's easy for her to use, and she's been loving to listen to it. And Mandy was telling me that on the way home, it's like an eight-hour trip, that uh, the girls watched a, a DVD together for maybe 45 minutes or so, and then the entire rest of the trip, Zoe listened to music. And she actually had this, this worship playlist on repeat uh, uh, for like eight hours or like seven hours, which is kind of strange in some sense. But, but in another, she's, she doesn't know that she's doing it, but she's doing this exact thing, Right? She's actually allowing the words of Christ to dwell in her richly, to, to seep into every pore of who she is. You don't listen to worship music for seven straight hours on repeat with it, without it just kind of being infused into your system. And she doesn't know that she's doing that yet, but she's doing the exact thing that we should all be doing, where we're allowing God's words, Christ's words, the thing that, that Christ is about, to just seep into every part of who we are. Uh, to let Christ dwell in us richly, uh, to make a home in our heart, to, so inti- to be so intimately close to our church that his words become the very air that we breathe. So we come together on a Sunday morning to, let, uh, to, to sing and to pray and to preach and to learn and to share life together, to absorb the words of Jesus and to dwell in them richly, as an act of radical opposition to the words of the world. If the words of the world are trying to dwell in us, and we come together each week to say, no, I actually want Jesus' words to dwell in me instead of those other words, that is such radical defiance. It is such a strong act to be here together in worship. Walter Brueggemann says, in the face of empire, what is needed is imaginative liturgical world-making that enacts a world more credible than the world of the empire. That we actually come together and we are forming ourselves into a certain community by the liturgical things that we do that actually creates a new world that is more credible than than the other world. We're forming a new world for ourselves and for everyone else that is, more be- that is better than the dominant world that, that exists out there. We worship as an act of radical defiance against the words and the ways of the world. What you're doing, I don't know if you know about it, but you're, you're kind of a radical insurrectionist just by showing up here on a Sunday morning. You're saying, I I won't be filled with those other words. I want Jesus' words to fill me up. Uh, Worship isn't just a pleasant hour of singing, praying, and preaching. It's training us and empowering us to be a new alternative community of Christ. It's a beautiful thing that we do here on, on Sunday mornings. And then I love how Paul finishes this section. In verse 17, he says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When we actually do that, when we, uh, when we as a faith community 
uh, actually allow the words of, of Christ to dwell within us, when they sink deep down within our communal bones and actually alter our communal DNA, where we actually become a different community uh, because of our time together, because of our time in the Word, because of our time praying and singing and sharing life together, uh, then all that we will say and do, our words and our deeds, will actually be done in the name of Jesus. I believe that they will just, all of our actions and our words will just naturally flow out of the words and actions of Christ that have dwelled deep within us as a community of faith. Uh, You could say that Paul's vision for the new communities of Jesus is quite comprehensive. It impacts all of our communal and personal lives. It impacts every single thing that we do and say. It's a holistic way of life where every aspect of who we are, what we say, and how we act is submitted to the loving, peaceful, wise way of Jesus. Uh, I I think Walsh and Kiesmet kind of summed this up better than I could have myself. They said, uh, within Paul's holistic comprehensive vision for the communal life of Jesus. And then they say this, whatever we do, voting or shopping, writing a poem or a check, shaping educational curricula or a sculpture, establishing a household or establishing a business, singing praise or singing the blues, making a film or making a pie, building housing for the homeless or protecting an endangered species, Whenever, uh, under the holistic, comprehensive vision of the communal life of Jesus, uh, whatever we do will be done in the name of the Lord Jesus and will thereby be giving thanks to the Creator in whose image we have been renewed. When we allow the words, the message, the gospel of Christ to dwell deeply within us, then I I don't think that we'll actually, have, actually even have to try very hard. I just think that whatever we do, everything that we do, will we'll just kind of naturally be in accordance with the way of Jesus. And that is the kind of community, the sort of church, that we should strive to become. All right, at this point, I, I want to provide some space for us to kind of talk about the practical implications of all this. If If we really do want to be a Jesus-centered community, if we really were committed to being this new kind of church, one of love, peace, and gratitude, where the word, message, truth of Christ is deeply ingrained within us, where the way of Jesus is central to every single thing we do, if we really were committed to being an alternative community in our world, a counter-community of love, peace, and gratitude in a world of anger, violence, and discontentment, if we really were committed to being a Jesus community where everything we say and do is saturated in Christ and we are ruthlessly dedicated to following Jesus— then how would that change us? How, how would we behave as a church? And that, those are the kind of practical questions that I want us to explore in small groups this morning for, for five or six or seven minutes here in, in, in uh, this next little section. Uh, if we really wanted to be that kind of community where the way of Jesus uh, was so deeply ingrained within us that it poured out of every pore of our church body, 
then what would that mean for us? How would it affect what we do on Sunday morning? How would it affect our, our hour together on a Sunday morning? Would we do the same things? Would we do different things? Would we add in a few things? Would we take away a few things? Uh, how would that change things for us? Uh, how would it affect our, our kind of communal life together, our small group life together, our Bible studies together, the times outside of Sunday mornings that, the, that we gather together to be in community? How would we do things different? Would, would we change what we study? Would we change where we gather? Would we change how long we gather together? Would we change uh, the, kind of the, the liturgy even of our small group times? What, how would we change things in order to become that kind of community that we desire to be? Uh, and then finally, how would striving to be that kind of church uh, affect uh, our mission and our service in the community? How would it affect what we do out in the world uh, as we serve one another? Uh, would we do the same things? Would we do different things? So, uh, so let's gather together. Maybe grab three or four or five people around you. These don't have to be like one-on-one kind of groups. Get, get in a decent-sized group uh, and kind of brainstorm these things together. Maybe there's a scribe. Maybe somebody has pen and paper and they want to write something down and, and take a few notes. That might be helpful, helpful for us to, to kind of document these things. But gather together into some small groups and kind of talk about this. If we wanted to be a Jesus-centered community where everything that we did and said and act, the way that we acted was in accordance with Jesus, how would it affect the way that we actually did things? Let's get, let's get together and chat about these things. Take about five minutes and do so.
Why don't you take just another minute or two to try to wrap it up? I know we don't have enough time, but uh, take a couple minutes. All right, well, let's, uh, let's gather together uh, again. Maybe there's, maybe there's a couple comments that want to be raised or, or should be raised. Uh, were, there any, uh, were there any things that you'd like to share with the whole group? What do you think? How would how would things here? Why don't you talk into that? What's on this bulletin is unimportant. It's how we act and how we treat each other and how we treat our visitors. Yeah. It's not about which song we're singing or we should sing we should sing this number of songs and then do this number of prayers, but it's more an attitude of of how we gather and how we treat one another when we're here. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah. Other thoughts? Maybe especially on the worship thing, since since Bob got us going there. Chris? That's good. Other thoughts there? How about kind of our communal life together? Uh, you know, 
I, I write small group ministry on there, but, but we think of Tuesday morning Bible study as a small group, and we think of even Sunday school we think of a, as a small group here. We kind of treat it as if it's a small group. So think about kind of all the things that we do outside of Sunday morning, uh, potlucks, uh, um, Lenten simple suppers, things like that, that are kind of communal in nature, uh, how, if we wanted to take Christ seriously, uh, would it affect anything when it came to kind of our communal life together? You have thoughts on that? Are there other thoughts there? Yeah, there's a bit of an intention, uh, an intentionality, I think, to to, to this process. Uh, I think uh, you don't. There, sometimes you kind of you you can become disciple by osmosis, uh, just by kind of showing up, and, and that is kind of the beauty of church community is that uh, people can kind of be faithful on your behalf at times when you don't when you don't feel like it. But but if we wanted to really seriously uh, follow Jesus and, and kind of be a Jesus community in the world, there is kind of a level of intentionality there where, all right, we, let's be serious about that here and let's be serious about that in, in, in small groups and let's be serious about that as we go into the world. How, how, can, how can I be more intentional about doing that everywhere I go? Uh, thanks, Rob. How about the mission and service in the community element? Is there uh, any any thoughts there?
Yeah. That's good. Any other final comments? You guys got some? Yeah, yeah, there's a, we got to practice these things, and we discipline ourselves, uh, and, and we show up here, and this becomes a bit of a laboratory to kind of practice the things that we want to do out there in kind of this safe setting with one another, uh, but yeah, there does, there does come a point where I, I got to practice what I'm preaching in here. I, I have to take uh, these kind of values uh, and make them, uh, put them on display out there. Uh, so in the, in, the coming, uh, in the coming weeks and months and years, may we allow the invitation of Paul to seep uh, into our church and continually transform us into a more beautiful and faithful image of Christ in the world. Uh, I want us to be a, a Christ-centered community. Uh, I'm not that interested in even attending a church uh, if, if they're not really, really intentional about wanting to follow Christ and, and, and allow him to, his words to, to dwell richly within them. Uh, so I, I thank you all for doing that. And let's continue to press forward into that even more so. May the love, peace, and word of Christ dwell deeply within us so that whatever we do and say is done and said in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. For who you are and, and how you've, uh, you've recreated us into this kind of new community uh, with, with, that's loaded with potential for goodness. Uh, we pray that you would uh, encourage us, challenge us, strengthen us uh, to be a new radical sort of people. People of peace, people of gratitude, people of, of deep worship that uh, have filled ourselves with you and your word. Uh, and then help that to transform everything that we, d- we do and say, whatever that is said and done in word and deed. Help us to do it in, in your name. Uh, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, okay, quick announcements on the